welcome to the Everybody Podcast. Here, we'll dive into all things health and mindset to help you learn to push past your limits into a life you can be obsessed with. My name is Cassie, and I'm a personal trainer and health coach focused on guiding you toward being your healthiest, happiest self. So buckle up and let's dive in. Hello, hello, and here we are again for episode number two today, the last day of January, January 31st, if you're listening to it on release day, but um, I am starting to talk a little bit about heart health because obviously February is right around the corner and February is heart health month. And on top of that, my main reason for podcasting is to help other people avoid chronic illness and disease. And heart disease, especially in the United States, is a big killer. Um, I know the numbers might be skewed over the last couple of years because we also know that those of us that have COVID and have other things going on like heart disease, diabetes, things like that are at higher risk for death with COVID as well. And so I'm sure the numbers have gotten skewed over the last couple of years, um, depending on if you know the cause of death was in fact heart disease or COVID or whatever. But um, I want to come here and talk to you about heart disease today and risk factors and exercise and how exercising can help significantly reduce your risk of heart disease. So a lot of what I'm going to talk to you about first comes right from some websites. So the CDC website and the American Heart Association website are two that I will cite because I am basically reading mostly right from them right now. But Americans that are at risk for heart disease include those that have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and smoking Those are the key risk factors for heart disease and several other medical conditions and lifestyle choices can lead to risk of heart disease. So diabetes is one, being overweight or obese, an unhealthy diet, physical inactivity, and excessive alcohol use. So all of these things put you at risk for heart disease, right? Um, And if we take out the blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes, because those are all, let's say, um, diagnoses. But we look at the other things, smoking, being overweight, eating an unhealthy diet, physical inactivity, and alcohol use or excessive alcohol use. There are more risk factors of things we can control than diagnoses and I believe that we can control some of those diagnoses as well, right? Like high blood pressure comes from an unhealthy diet, smoking, physical inactivity, high blood cholesterol or high cholesterol comes from all of those things as well. Um, And so right away, we're talking about, um, we're, we're talking mostly about what's going on in America and our culture and the way we eat and the way we sit and the way we smoke, although I personally think that smokers have significantly reduced in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. I feel like when I was a kid, like everybody smoked cigarettes. Even in high school, it was still kind of cool to smoke cigarettes. And now I have a high schooler and he's like, no, that's not cool at all. Now, obviously, (laughs) they have other things that they're doing and are getting in the way. But I'm happy to see that the amount of people that are um, smoking 
is reducing some. I don't think it's that case everywhere. Um, but let's get a little deeper. Heart disease in the United States. So heart disease is the leading cause of death for men, women, and people of most racial and ethnic groups in the United States. So what's really interesting is I have a list here. Now, this is from 2015 um, by race, ethnicity, and sex, and percent of deaths, and then which percent are men or women. And I'll tell you, there is nothing, there isn't even a 2% difference between men and women, which um, sort of surprised me because I did feel like men were maybe a higher percentage. But um, also, if we look at um, black and white, non-Hispanic, the percentage of deaths in the black population of non-Hispanic is 23.5%, and white non-Hispanic is 23.7%, so it's 0.2% different. Um, And each one, the men and women, are less than 2% apart um, of people who die from heart disease. So uh, it's really interesting that I would say, looking over the list that they have, the lowest percentage of deaths are American Indian or Alaska Native, But those, again, are 5% at the most away from everyone else. So it is pretty evenly spread through races um, and men and women who die from heart disease. So I found that actually really interesting because I feel like maybe back when I was in school or grade school, um, that wasn't the case. So things seem like a little more evenly spread out, but I'm not sure. Um, One person dies every 36 seconds in the United States from cardiovascular disease and or heart disease, right? Um, About 659,000 people in the U.S. die from heart disease each year. So one in every four people that die are dying from heart disease. Heart disease costs the United States about $363 billion, with a B, dollars each year from 2016 to 2017. And this includes the cost of healthcare services, medicines, and loss of productivity due to death. Now, think of heart disease. And if you're a person that ends up getting some form of heart disease, right, um, to maintain even a, a somewhat active lifestyle, that's going to cost you a lot of money, a lot of doctor's visits, a lot of medications, trips to the hospital, um, and or trips to your doctor, which would mean time off of work, right? And so all of this stuff goes into like that cost. Um, Now, talking about a heart attack specifically, um, a heart attack is something that happens um, when you're... uh, you actually get a blockage in your heart, right? So, um, and this is something that you learn if you've ever taken like a CPR class or something like that. Cardiac arrest, when someone stops breathing, isn't always due to a heart attack. They're two different things. Um, And I think that's important for us to be aware of just as people, you know, out and about, if someone falls down and stops breathing, that is different than a heart attack. Now, a heart attack could cause a cardiac arrest, but many times cardiac arrest comes from a different kind of cause. But anyways, a heart attack is when there's an actual blockage in the heart and the blood can't get through. So in the United States, someone has a heart attack every 40 seconds. Every 40 seconds, someone's having a heart attack. Think of how many heart attacks are happening in the U.S. just as you listen to this episode, right? 
And every year, about 805,000 people in the U.S. have a heart attack. Of these, 605,000 are first heart attacks. About 200,000 happen to people who've already had one. And one in five heart attacks is silent, meaning the person doesn't even realize they're having a heart attack and or they might notice some symptoms, but kind of like think it's something else or just having a rough day and not feeling good. Um, And heart damage is done and the person doesn't even know. And so that can lead to, right, a lot of long lasting effects too. Um, Okay, so... I think that I don't need to go into any further like detail or numbers or statistics, but I know it feels kind of heavy, but I also feel like it's something like we always live in this short term, like what's going on now. And, you know, someone like me who's in their, you know, middle thirties and is healthy and whatever, probably just overlooks or takes advantage of the fact that like, oh, I don't have to worry about heart disease. I, you know, I'm I'm young and it, it doesn't matter, but it does matter. Like what we do now as young adults matters just as much as what we do um, as we age, right? And we get closer to maybe having some of those risk factors for heart attack. Not to say there aren't 20 and 30-year-olds having heart attacks because there definitely are, but um, let's get talking about exercise and how moving your body can actually change your risk of heart disease and prevent heart attacks and other forms of heart disease. And it's pretty cool. And I hope I hope it's empowering to know that you have control over this. You have control over your heart attack risk and your heart disease risk. And that's really cool. So it's also super interesting that it's the number one killer in our country, but also we have control over it. Right. And so what does that say about our country and our values um, and our nutrition and, you know, the way we value exercise and activity? I mean, it says a lot. <laughs> it says a lot. Um, I, I would hope that as we continue to learn more about our bodies and what keeps us healthy, you know, and, and that, I don't know, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, these numbers would be so, so different um, because obviously this these choices that put you at risk for heart disease are choices that you start making when you're really, really young, right? I mean, I know people that started smoking cigarettes when they were 11 or 12 years old, right? I mean, and during that time, it was like normal, accepted, whatever, you know, my, my sister started smoking at a really, really young age, um, and all through high school and still is a smoker. Um, but it's also one of those things that, you know, when she was that age, it was like, oh, everybody was doing it. And everyone said, oh, it wasn't really that good, but for you, but like, you know, whatever. And, and now you're kind of in this situation where you've been smoking how many years? I mean, that, heart disease risk is there. You probably already have it. You just don't even know, you know, so I'm hoping to empower you guys to start making some choices that will put you on the better end of this so that our futures can look a little different than the people that came before us. Um, So the American Heart Association, I'm going to start reading some things to you off of their website. These are their exercise recommendations, and these are recommendations for adults, okay? Recommendation is to get at least 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity aerobic activity or 75 minutes per week of vigorous aerobic activity or a combination of both, preferably spread out throughout the week. 
So if we go by that 150 minute number um, of moderate aerobic activity, because I think that's where generally most of us would exercise anyway, like that vigorous activity, you're thinking like going for a heavy run or maybe swimming miles in a pool or, you know, something like that. And I think generally speaking, um, that's just not what most like regular, normal, everyday people get. <laughs> so if we go by that 150 minutes a week spread out throughout the week. That's 30 minutes a day, five times a week. That's not that much. It's not that much. It's actually surprising to me that there are people out there that don't get 30 minutes a day, five out of seven days a week. It's not that much time when you spread it out across the week. And, you know, if you want to spread it out across seven days, it's even less than that, right? That's like a walk. That's just going out and taking a walk every day. And that could significantly lower your risk of heart disease. It's it's not very difficult to do, right? Okay, so we're going to go into a little more detail. Moderate to high intensity muscle strengthening activity on at least two days per week. So that means resistance training or weights is recommended two days a week as part of your 150 exercise minutes. Um, so that's pretty cool. I love that. I love that a lot because you guys all know I love strength training. I push strength training I for weight loss, for weight gain, for improving your health, improving your confidence, improving, you know, everything gets improved when you lift up some weights. But anyways, um, so 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise or activity per week and two days of those minutes should be resistance training. The next recommendation, spend less time sitting. So even light intensity activity can offset some of the risks of being sedentary. Now, the last episode, we talked about metabolism and moving more to improve your metabolism. And what do you think? Moving more also reduces your risk of heart disease. Can you believe it? Of course you can. Um, and it says gain even more benefits by being active at least 300 minutes per week. Um, so that's five hours total per week. So the recommendation is 150, which is 30 minutes a day uh, for five days a week, you know, if you spread it out, or you get more benefits by doubling that. So an hour a day for five days a week, or, you know, maybe less than that if you spread it out over six or seven days a week. And you know, recommendation obviously is to increase the amount and intensity gradually over time. So if you're someone who doesn't exercise at all or barely moves at all right now, of course, that seems like huge to move 150 minutes a week when you're not doing anything. But know that if you start slow, right, and increase over time, the benefits are still there. So that is something promising and hopefully comforting to you. Just getting started somewhere, doing anything is going to help. And then you can work your way toward that 150, but you'll never get to the 150 if you don't start doing something. If you keep sitting and doing nothing, you'll never get there. But if you do a little bit at a time, you'll get there for sure. Now, there's also recommendations for kids, which I love. I love it. I love it. I love it because we should be teaching our kids to be active and healthy um, and teach them that this is how they keep themselves healthy over time, right? 
So children three to five years old should be physically active and have plenty of opportunities to move throughout the day. There's no specific recommendations. It's just like, hey, if you've got a three to five-year-old, make sure they have opportunities to run, play, jump, move, roll around, you know, push things, pull things, throw things, lift things up, pick them up, carry them, put them back down. It's just general fun play for three to five years old. Kids ages 6 to 17 years old should get at least 60 minutes per day of moderate to vigorous intense physical activity, mostly aerobic. That's a lot, right? If you think about your first you thought about yourself doing 30 minutes a day, 5 days a week and this is telling you to get your kids moving for an hour of moderate to vigorous mostly aerobic activity every single day. Yeah, that's a lot. I can think of plenty of teenagers that don't get that much movement, especially if they're not involved in, you know, as some form of athletics. Um, even our our gym programs at schools, right? Like funding has gotten significantly cut for those programs over the last few years. Um, and so kids don't even have gym class every day, right? And and then when they do, it's not an hour. So something to think about. Um Recommendations should include vigorous to intense activity at least three days out of the week. You should include muscle and bone strengthening, which is weight-bearing activities, on at least three days per week. And you should increase the amount of time and intensity gradually, right? And so it's just like for a kid as it is for an adult, if your child isn't a very active child, you're not just going to like throw them on a treadmill or in a soccer match and tell them to run for an hour, like that's not (laughs) something that they probably could physically do. Um, But if you have children, or maybe you are a teenager listening to this episode, um, know that that's important. It's just as important for our children to reduce their risk of heart disease at a young age, right? To instill that movement and healthy lifestyle in to just like their normal daily life so that when they get older, they don't need to have somebody to tell them to go exercise because hopefully they've been moving their bodies since they were, you know, toddlers and they found the kind of movement that they like. Um, You know, when I say resistance training, it doesn't have to be like the weightlifting you think about at the gym, right? Um, you can use your body for resistance training. You know, that it's it said bone strengthening, weight-bearing training, right? So you can think of something even like yoga as strength training. You can do, there's a lot of body weight resistance in yoga, right? Um, there's all different kinds of stuff you can do. Um, you can be in the water and use water weights and use the water as your resistance. So you know, me saying, go pick up some weights and you're like, I'm never picking up a weight in my life. Fine. But I promise you'd like it. But know that resistance training is just as important as aerobic exercise to reduce your risk of heart disease. So my main point of this episode is to get you moving, to give you some more motivation to get moving and get up. And even if you're someone that already exercises regularly, but you have that struggle that we all run into once in a while, and it's like, oh, I don't want to move. I don't want to go to the gym today, or I don't want to go on my walk or ride my bike or whatever it is uh, that you primarily choose to do. You know, I used to run a lot. I haven't run probably in like, I don't know, well, probably just like six months or something now, but it feels like forever. Um, and when I would be training for, you know, ha- half marathons or whatever, 
And I'd get up on a Saturday and I'd have like a two hour run ahead of me. And I'm like, oh my God, I do not want to run today. But you just get up and make yourself do it anyway. Right. So this is just more motivation for you. Get up, get moving, reduce your risk of heart disease. So just to reiterate, heart disease is the number one killer of adults in the U.S. And it is also something that can be completely prevented for the most part, right? Like most of the activities that you can do to prevent heart disease are lifestyle choices. Of course, there's always going to be that slight group of people that have something hereditary going on or some cholesterol issues that is more hereditary um, than self-induced by what they're eating, but also know that even those people can reduce their risk by eating right, staying away from cigarettes and alcohol, moving their bodies, drinking their water, like doing all the things to lead a healthy lifestyle. But exercise, you know, it's so hard for people to find that motivation to exercise, but it is not something that I'm here to encourage you to do so that you look good in your bikini or, you know, so you lose a whole bunch of weight or so you can be whatever title you think of as like skinny or fit or whatever. It's not about that. It's not about that to me. I want you to love your body no matter what size it is. And you might be exercising, eating right, drinking your water, getting enough sleep, taking care of your mental health and still overweight. And you know what? Maybe that's the way it is, but you're doing everything you possibly can to keep yourself healthy and prevent your risk for disease. And that's important. And that matters. It matters that you are taking care of yourself. It matters that you are putting yourself first. You deserve to put yourself first. Your life, your needs come before anyone else's. They absolutely do. They come before your job. How many people, I can't even tell you how many people tell me they don't have time to exercise because of work. And I saw something over, I don't know, over the weekend or whatever that really made me think. It said something like, you know, your job, your work can replace you in days, but your family cannot replace you. And let that sink in for a minute, right? Like you are replaceable to a lot of things, no matter how much your coworkers love you and how much you love your job and what you do and how much stability and income it provides you. If it's getting in the way of you living a healthy happy life, it is not worth it. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It might seem scary to think about it that way. Like, oh my God, what else would I possibly do? I don't know. And I'm not telling you to go quit your job right now today. But what I'm telling you is that no job, no relationship, no commitment to anything is more important than your own health and you being able to live your life in a way that feels right to you. So please, if you are not moving or exercising your body right now. I want you to start today. Start with something small, simple, slow. If you need help, reach out to me. You know, I have all kinds of resources. Um, uh, You know, I have my resources, but there's all kinds of free stuff out there too. Like, I don't care where you get your stuff from. It doesn't have to be from me. It can be from anywhere you want. But I want you to live a healthy, happy life. Until the very day that you die, I want you to be able to to be doing anything that your heart and your body desire to do. And in order to do that, it starts now. The time is now. You can't wait until you're already sick 
to start making the right choices. That's what most people do. They get sick and then they choose to change, right? When that sickness could have been prevented. So get on the prevention train today, my friends, and start moving your bodies so you can continue to live an amazing life. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me that you are here. It would be amazing for you to share this episode on social media and tag me in it. Can't wait to be back next time. Talk soon.